0: Welcome to That's All, a weekly debrief about anything and everything happening in fashion and pop culture with Cosy and Em. I'm Em. And I'm Cosy. And thanks for listening to episode two. Woo, we're back. We love having you here, so thank you for coming back. There are lots of fashion and celebrity headlines this week that I'd love to launch into, but we need to start with Rex because we are women of structure.
1: Absolutely, we need to start the way we mean to continue, but I've never been more grateful to have a podcast As of like the last few weeks, it's been actually insane.
0: There's a bit on. So what have you been lapping up at the moment that you would recommend to other people?
1: Oh, I've been lapping up a lot, but I think I'll go with just one recommendation. Well, actually, I've got two. Sorry, my bad. I've got two. It's the 16th anniversary of Mamma Mia this year, which is unbelievable that a movie that is so important to so many people has been around for more than 15 years. But Vogue has just done a really, really cool article talking about the film how it was made it's like the oral history of Mamma Mia and so many cool insights so many funny anecdotes so great like so much insight into the filming process and how they filmed in England and before they went to Greece and just so much fun stuff and so many funny insights especially from Colin Firth like when he talks about when they first offered him Mamma Mia he was like are they out of their bloody minds and now it's like well of course like he's Harry he works at a bank he's a family man a football fan you know a football fan (laughs) And so that was really good. I read that. That was really fun. And then I also watched an oldie but a goodie, one of my favorite movies, A Knight's Tale.
0: Oh, yeah. With with Heath Heath Ledger. Ledger. Gorge.
1: Yeah, I watched it with my flatmate Tom last night. And it was so good. And it just made both of us actually really sad that Heath Ledger's not here anymore. And usually I can watch it and separate it. But last night I was particularly like, I really want him back. He's one of the ones that
0: I do the really lame thing where I'm like, what would he have been in if he was still alive? Because it's such a fun movie and he's so good in it
1: and then I was like this just makes me want to watch 10 things I hate about you and then I was like actually this makes me want to watch so much more but he was doing so many serious things at the time so I feel like he really could have there was so much left for him to explore in his career and life and I can't believe he was only 28
0: yeah as someone so who's young. now
1: as someone who's now 27 that's mental
0: yeah that's really scary imagine having such an extensive career by this point yeah and a really commendable filmography as well like it's not just he was a Disney actor or something it was really big
1: yeah, so much. Like, he just did so much, such a range. But yeah, so Mamma Mia and A Night's Tale, a really good time.
0: Yeah, that's a fun bit of duality. Yeah. Going back to Mamma Mia, A, I can't believe that we lived through history, and B, did you know they filmed part of the first movie and then most of the second movie in Croatia?
1: I knew they filmed, Mum, M- the second one in Croatia, but yeah, because yeah, they filmed in this little tiny island called Skopelos in Greece, which is actually um, two of my mum's best
0: friends live there.
1: Fun. On the island. And in 2015, we went, That's my, Tanya. my mom and I.
0: Tanya and Rosie. Tanya
1: and Rosie, yeah. And we Tanya and Rosie'd our way to Greece. And it was insane. We went to the Rock where they played our last summer. We went to the church. We recreated Winner Takes It All. As you would. Yeah, a lot of breath work, a lot of vocal work. I couldn't quite hit the hit the notes that, that Meryl was. But it was so cool. It's such a beautiful island. You really need a car, uh, tourist tip here. If you want to go to Skopolos, get a car. But it was fantastic. Like, amazing. And what about you? What have you been reading, watching, doing this week?
0: My rec isn't quite so Mamma Mia, but it's still fun and still very girl. We love. It's a very, very quick and easy read in Interview Magazine. It's a chat between Olivia Rodrigo and Phoebe Bridges. I mean the sad girls of our generation. Exactly. The spokespeople for my angsty, angsty heart. And I love interview magazine. You know, by the name, they do the best interviews. They do. And it's just fun to read. Like they're never very long. They're never very deep. Oh, it's all surface level, but it's just fun hearing famous people talk to other famous
1: people. It doesn't annoy me like it does in other ways.
0: Yeah, it's different to like celebrity on celebrity podcasts. Yeah. It feels just a little bit more lax and a little bit more whatever.
1: I agree. It's definitely it's the only time where I'm interested in hearing two famous people talk.
0: Exactly. And I love these girls in particular. It felt like the perfect pairing because to me, they both represent similar experiences of girlhood, but at like different ages. Phoebe Bridges has that kind of mid twenties to twenties. bit more mature. Yeah, yeah. You've lived through kind of the worst part of your developmental formative years whereas Olivia Rodrigo is coming out of her teens she's in the
1: trenches as it were
0: in the trenches she's in the Sookie Waterhouse trenches
1: oh my god that's fun so what did they talk about
0: it was a very 20 something chat like they mentioned Joan Didion and Twilight and Mitski but I just enjoyed it because you can hear their inspiration and the thinking behind their songs and I just enjoy any chat or dialogue that legitimizes the experiences of young women so if you want to hear them talk about their music and how they kind of navigate all of those common themes of like love and friendship and whatnot then have a read that's so fun because
1: I are you a big Phoebe Bridges fan
0: not huge but I I appreciate her a lot
1: I'm not a huge fan so, but I love Olivia. So I'm intrigued. To... Not a huge fan of her
0: music, or not a huge fan of her as
1: a person. oh, not a huge fan of her music. Okay, I was going to say, what is
0: the drama? no? I
1: like her as a person. I don't know a huge amount about her as a person, other than she dated Paul Mescal, which is I should probably get to know more about her. I wish that was me. Honestly, he's a th- he's a thinking woman's crumpet or whatever they say.
0: I've never heard that saying, but oh. I believe they, you. They
1: do say it. I think allegedly. We Um, say it now. We say it
0: now, that's our thing. (laughs) Anyway, we should jump into our first topic. Do you want to take it away?
1: This is my Super Bowl. So there's so much to unpack actually. So it's obviously been a huge week in terms of if you love Taylor Swift. I think there's a lot to discuss, but uh, Taylor has been spotted at a football game, an American football game a Kansas City Chiefs game I learned today because there's rumors that she's dating this football player Travis Kelsey and like all the rumors I was like whatever I'll believe it when I see it like I don't care about this and then she shows up at this game sitting with his mom fully cheering in the crowd with a red lip and then there's a video of them leaving the game together pictures of them leaving getting into his purple convertible which we need to unpack as well, disgusting. And leaving the game together just like normal people.
0: But what do they look like when they're together? Like is it an awkward... It was kinda
1: of weird. It was the so the video I had to watch it a few times because I couldn't tell if they were holding hands. They weren't. But it was sort of weird. His hand was kind of like right next to her and it was kind of like you could tell he wanted to. That was sort of the vibe. It was very, very kind of high school-y.
0: Yeah, you're going on your first little like date to a shopping center. Yeah,
1: very shopping center, very much like I'm a Max Brenner in Westfield vibe. <laughs> I was just like, oh, this is sort of weird to be watching this. She looked great. He looked fine. Whatever. He's a guy. I just feel like I'm so ambivalent about this. Like the rumor happened and then she just shows up at this game. It's like she hears a rumor and she wants to play with us.
0: Yeah. It's like she wants to like give the people what they want. But with what time? Like what? Yeah. How? But also what's this giving us? I feel so
1: ambivalent. I'm like, I'll always be interested in her, but I feel like my interest in her like
0: prospective boyfriend or partner really wavers. I just find it interesting because, excuse my lack of sports knowledge, but is this like the NFL?
1: It's like the football with the big shoulders. Yeah. yeah. I think it's NFL. I would honestly couldn't know less. I have no idea. All
0: that made me think of he's was a big
1: Yeah, he's a big deal.
0: Okay. I think. But I can understand if it was maybe like the Maddie Healy thing where it's like you probably have a shared audience, but football? Also the duality of her going from Maddie
1: Healy to this giant football player in one year. It's been intriguing, but so Taylor comes into our next topic as well, This Sophie Turner and Joe Jonas stuff. There's been a lot of updates.
0: She's so busy.
1: There's so much going on here. So I feel like we need to give a bit of context for people who aren't aware of maybe who Sophie Turner and Joe Jonas are. If you don't, that's concerning, but come on a journey with us. So Sophie Turner is an English actress who played Sansa Stark on Game of Thrones. Joe Jonas is from the Jonas Brothers, the band they were big on disney and everything some great hits huge i listened to them a lot on spotify they got married in 2019 in las vegas then they had another wedding later that year in france i really didn't like their wedding
0: i actually don't remember it
1: actually no the way we- i'm sorry the wedding itself was really nice her dress was disgusting
0: oh god isn't
1: it disgusting
0: it's louis vuitton say no more yeah
1: oh my god <laughs> when when will she escape the shackles it I makes swear. Sense. So basically they've been together, they have two daughters, a three-year-old called Willa and another daughter we don't know the name of, but according to court documents, they refer to her as D. so I'm assuming her name starts with D. They've announced that they're going to be divorcing, but it, the way it all happened sort of was sort of very chaotic, so we can sum up very quickly. Joe Jonas filed for a dissolution of the marriage earlier in September, claiming that the marriage between the two, the two parties are irretrievably Broken. They addressed the split on Instagram the following day, saying it was a joint decision. But all of this kind of anti Sophie rhetoric hit the press. Like, and it was very kind of. I actually really liked that everyone really conned onto it quickly. Didn't you think that?
0: Yeah, compared to if you'd tried to run with this like 20 years ago, I think came out really quickly, so predictably. Like, he did yeah. not give anyone room to breathe or process this information, which is interesting because he's touring at the moment like yeah. he's in the public eye surely he just kind of let it ride out a little bit before no it. it's a smear campaign he was on it he was smearing left right
1: and center he was smearing the town red he basically all these you know according to tmz according to people joe's with the girls at the moment sophie's kind of abandoned him to go do her thing and i'm like do her thing as in like go and work in england on a mini series to like go and get the bread make the bread bring the bread home that's what she's doing. She's not going off and partying.
0: Did he just want like a wife, like someone to stay at home and kind I feel of- like he did. Sit down and shut up, except he married Sophie Turner, who is-
1: The coolest person ever. The people's princess. She's the people's princess, queen of the North, people's princess. But I don't know, it's so weird. So there was all this anti-Sophie rhetoric that kind of came out. And then during a Jonas Brothers show, he like addressed the split. He was basically like, it's been a crazy week. I just want to say, if you don't hear it from these lips, don't believe it, okay? Like, thank you for the love and support. And I was immediately like-
0: Hmm. if you don't okay. hear it from these lips makes me feel kind of weird and it I was can't a bit explain it why. i
1: don't like his choice of words but yeah there was all these anonymous sources saying that sophie was partying too much which was sort of this like narrative that clashed with older statements being that they'd made as a couple together being like i'm such a she was like i'm such a homebody and he loved going out and whatever and there are a few blind items going round about how he was the one who was partying so much and allegedly but then the big thing that's happened now in the past few days is sophie has requested for her two daughters to be returned to england which is where she's from the suit against joe's calls for the immediate return of the children because they'd previously agreed to have england as their forever home they have always decided to go back to england And then after Joe filed for divorce, Sophie reiterated the plan to move to England. But then she basically was saying that he was withholding their daughter's passports and that he wouldn't let them return to England. He then responded back saying that was misleading. It's been so much back and forth, which is so off. And then in the midst of all of this happening, pictures come out of Sophie hanging out with Taylor Swift. If anyone knows the lore of Taylor Swift and Joe Jonas, they went out together. It ended really badly. It ended with what was it a text
0: in a 27 second phone call
1: I mean that's even worse and then she wrote a bunch of songs about him some of her best I think personally forever and always holy ground just some real bangers but it just ended really badly and now they're hanging out together and all these people online are like when the divorce happened everyone was like Sophie Turner has the opportunity to do the funniest thing and you know be seen with Taylor Swift and then she was seen with her and it's such a statement I think them to be seen out together it's the ultimate PR move so if you're being like fuck you Joe," I'm out with again like the people's princess
0: a picture says a squillion words
1: it's just so important because Taylor is clearly like staking a claim on Sophie Sophie's taking a claim on Taylor being like this is who I'm hanging out with this is my side it's like what what side of history are you on I'm on Taylor's side I'm on Sophie's side and also Sophie Turner's a huge Taylor Swift fan think we forget
0: this in a time when we've come back around to Taylor everyone realizes she was pretty awfully maligned for years yeah we've come back around girlhood is big we love the girls we've watched Barbie it's not a good time to launch a smear campaign against a beloved young woman as well. She's really young. She's what, 27? Uh, yeah. So yeah. of course she's going to be hanging out with her BFF Taylor Swift. They had the opportunity
1: to do the funniest thing, as people said, and they did it.
0: There was a second pap walk as well. Was yeah, a
1: like? second pap walk, uh, which I was kind of pleased about because I really hated Sophie's outfit in the first pap walk. I really hated that kind of sparkly looking, what was it, kind of like a bikini, not a bikini top, like a polter top. I just thought her whole outfit was terrible. I actually hate everything she wears, which is really upsetting because she's so beautiful.
0: Yeah, she still looks good.
1: <laughs> but her stylist is just, where is she? Who who are they? What's going on? Who are they? I also didn't like what Taylor was wearing, but that's by the by. And then the, the next pap photo, they both looked great. Except Sophie still had that horrible Louis Vuitton bag. I'm like, can you please break off that fucking sponsorship? It's really irritating me. But I think it was huge.
0: Outfits aside, it's the principle of the thing.
1: You know what it was? The revenge dress. It was. It was, it's my revenge dress.
0: Yeah, it's just so predictable. You've got Joe in one corner trying to turn the world against her. Sophie in another just saying literally nothing. Don't I look hot and fun?
1: And Joe also doing those like terrible pap photos with the children when Sophie had always said that she never wanted them to be in the public eye. And then he's doing all of these like very clearly staged photos on, on the street with these kids. Not to say that Taylor and Sophie's photos aren't staged too. They were obviously staged. The paps were called. The photos were back grid.
0: But it's different when you're using your kids as
1: props. 100%. And Sophie's always been so clear that she never wanted that to happen. And for him to do that is so cheap.
0: It is so cheap. And also over the weekend, Roxane Gay tweeted support for Sophie Turner and Jessica Chastain retweeted it.
1: <gasps> oh my God, because they used to work together on X-Men. So I
0: know whose side I'm on and it's not Joe's.
1: No, it's Jessica Chastain, Sophie Turner's and Roxane Gay's.
0: Also, I don't need any more evidence than the clip that's kind of been doing the rounds on TikTok of Cammy Mendez and Maya Hawke talking. They do the... <gasps> oh
1: my God, yes.
0: They do the Vanity Fair lie detector test. I when have seen this. They were doing press for... Do Revenge. Do Revenge, yeah. which came out like a year ago. I don't really know how I feel about it, but it's like, a, it's colorful. Oh my God, I loved it. So in the video, Cami asks Maya, who is a bigger diva to be married to, King Joffrey or Joe Jonas? And Maya, she has this kind of like sly look on her face and says, Joe Jonas. And then they both giggle. And that's I, all I need to know. Yeah,
1: I saw that because Sophie Turner has a very small cameo in Do Revenge, which is I think one of her best roles. She's so funny. And she's only in it for about, what, like five or eight minutes. All up in like two scenes very memorable but I saw that too and I was immediately like they had such a knowing look between the two of them I was like you know something we don't know exactly
0: and th- that's all I need team Sophie every day
1: yeah the rhetoric but it, I think it's what is sort of hopeful is that people are picking up on that rhetoric and being like Sophie's not you know Sophie's shit it's actually like oh no this narrative is being peddled I just feel like people are smarter
0: yeah sometimes I, I
1: think people are so stupid but other times I'm like No, you're smart you're thinking about this getting into our next topic this has been a big one for both of us we've talked a lot about this today the supermodels on apple apple tv plus
0: so this is still pretty fresh it's been up for about a day or so so the supermodels aired on apple tv it's a four-part docuseries about the big four models of the 90s being Naomi Campbell, Linda Evangelista, Christy Tellington and Cindy Crawford. All icons. You don't even need to say
1: their last names. Everyone should just know who they are.
0: You just know. And even if you're not kind of in fashion, you would have heard their names. Your mums would have heard their names. You You know their faces 1000%. You've seen them somewhere. You didn't really learn anything new about them, but it was very vulnerable and wonderful to watch. Yeah, I actually don't Think there's anything to criticize. I just enjoyed it.
1: There was no new information, but I didn't need new information. No. I just wanted to hear them talk, hear them in their own words talk about their careers and see all the photos. There were just so many amazing archival pictures, archival footage, so much. And I feel like I did learn a bit, like at least about Linda, who's I feel like had the hardest time since fame ended for them in that era when they started getting older. i had like a little bit to criticise, but you
0: keep talking on your thoughts and we can get to mine later. I It was pretty simple. It just touched on their life, like pre-fame, the humble beginnings, if you will. Yeah. And then how they got into modelling at a, a strange time to model. It's different to modelling now, where it's kind of everyone knows a model. These yeah. were teenage girls suddenly being sent around the world on the fashion circuit. And it was very well produced. They interviewed people like Grace Coddington, Edward yeah. Enninful, John Mark Galliano, Jacobs. Mark Jacobs, the works.
1: It was really well done. I liked how they started with their early careers and the kind of first kind of not great headshots and first sort of terrible photo shoots that they did, but they just, it was clear they weren't in, they hadn't come into their own yet. And then ending with their kind of legacy as women, not just about their work in fashion, but I thought that it was really interesting because they all have so much going on. Cindy has her, like maternal charity work and Cindy has all of her kind of commercial deals Naomi has her charity work as well and Linda was always just about the fashion out of all of them she was the only one who really wanted to be a model all of the others were kind of on other paths and they got drawn into being models but Linda was so clearly like I always wanted to be a model my dream was to be on the cover of Vogue and so when it ended it was she seemed sort of listless like what do you do now that you've reached the peak where do you go from there and then of, of course last year there all that came out about her cool sculpting issues the lawsuit against that where she'd undergone this kind of cosmetic treatment that backfired and she was out of the spotlight for four years and she's just had this huge comeback now but it seems sort of clear from that that she wasn't happy with the way she looked she wasn't happy it
0: feels like good commentary on aging and they did kind of mention aging as something that they struggled with Mm. but I think it's a very unique experience to be publicly regarded as one of the world's most beautiful people when you're barely a woman you're a you're a teenager yeah. when you're everywhere, when you're in your prime. And then you have to try and hold on to that while you age out of it.
1: Yeah. And I and and they said in a lot of those clips, they were like, we thought our career would be like three years. We weren't thinking about longevity. We just thought we'll do it for a bit. They didn't think they'd be the biggest in the world.
0: No. And I feel like you don't really see that anymore. You don't see supermodels of this caliber everywhere yes you see models everywhere like we've all seen Kendall Jenner's same facial expression everywhere yeah it's not the same but it's not this it's not an entire cohort of four women working together earning together and so shaping culture together
1: and they're also different like as they say like Cindy was the all-american girl Christy was the classic beauty Naomi was the bombshell Linda was the chameleon and I think that'll probably goes to the culture now though everyone wants everything to be very similar very samey but they had the freedom in the end where the designers wanted to work with them was they had the power and I feel like it's not really like that anymore unless you're Bella, Gigi, Kendall or Kaya but even then I don't think that they command the same amount of power and I think the only person who I could think of who is remotely similar to any of them is Probably, this is a big call, but probably Bella from the way that she, I feel like she's kind of like Linda in the way that she's a chameleon. She can switch.
0: She's the only one where I can think of
1: any kind of remote similarity to any of that era.
0: And I also think she's the less commercial, like Gigi's very...
1: All-American girl. All-American girl.
0: And then Kaya's very pretty girl. She's the girl next door. And then...
1: And Kendall's like, Kendall can do whatever.
0: Kendall's she's Kendall. Nothing much to say about Kendall.
1: I think Bella's on a different level and I think people have acknowledged that I think the coverage around Bella in her fashion career has definitely been she's on another level than the other girls I think it changed for me at least when she did the Caperni show and I was like that's a model like that's her Shalom Harlow moment yeah that's her Shalom Harlow at McQueen moment for those who don't have the context just google it
0: We'll you- post it. It's on YouTube. We'll post it. I thought the doco was wonderful, but also kind of harrowing because they saw the worst of the grin and bear it attitude that was very pervasive in fashion then. And oh my it God, yeah. still is now, but much more well hidden then.
1: They did also delve into kind of, not as much as I think they could have. Obviously, this is not what the documentary was about, but they did delve into the dark side of modeling. Yes. A little bit. And a lot of the coverage that I read
0: said they didn't do it enough.
1: But I do think that that's not what the documentary was about. It's about celebrating their careers and like it's not
0: yeah if you were going to rattle off all of the bad things that happen in for lack of a more eloquent term the beautiful people industry yeah you would be here all day you can't fit that into a neat four episode package
1: and if you know you do want to read about that there's a great piece in Variety that came out earlier this year there's a documentary called Scouting for Girls which is all about the kind of darker side of the fashion industry they do they did mention Jean-Luc Brunel which chilled me I was like I heard his name and I was like how do I know him and then I realized he was the guy who knew Jeffrey Epstein and he also killed himself in prison because he was uh, the boss of of a French modeling agency who supplied girls to Jeffrey Epstein and Christie stayed at his apartment when she went to Paris. Thankfully nothing
0: happened because he was barely there she said but and she also touched on the fact that thinking back she's terrified and grateful that she made it out there oh, which
1: is insane they talked also about john casablancas whose name sent a chill down my spine so he was the head of elite models who was it was elite and it was ford in the city in new york and john is actually the father of julian casablancas of the strokes my King. Oh, he was my king now he's a bit ick, but he's a bit sleazy, a bit of a sleazy customer. He had an affair with Stephanie Seymour when she was 16. Yeah. And he was 41. He was called the body snatcher because he would always poach models from other agencies. That's foul. I know, it's not disgusting. <laughs> And everyone says that sort of he was the one who led to the emergence of the supermodel with the money and everything. I mean, it's gross. There's this whole article that I read about the look of the year, the elite model look, which was an award where you could win $150,000, a modeling contract with elite. It was then investigated and it was found to be providing Casablancas and Trump and other people opportunities to proposition the contestants. So he's a bit of a dirty old man. And he then married his third wife, when he was 50 and she was 17.
0: What a gross dude.
1: I know. So as soon as I heard those names, I was like hopping on my computer immediately to Google. So it's so gross that you're kind of in this world of glamour, but you're circulating such gross people. And if you're hearing this little beeping in the background, I'm sorry. There's a, we think it's a fire alarm going off next to my building.
0: Welcome to inner city, Sydney. Welcome to Elizabeth Bay. It's just adding to the ambience. It's fine. It's fine. It's cinematic. But anyways, (laughs) I enjoyed the series. It was kind of like an ode to a, bygone yeah. era like it was nice just to see them reminiscing and I kind of I don't need to hear about the power abuse between the men who run this sector and the women who make the money like I it is nice just to hear about the good parts
1: sometimes yeah 100% I think there's a time and a place for that and I think there are other ways to do it in a better way with more details and, and I think even Linda talking about how her husband at the time would like physically abuse her was like that's really harrowing to hear and really hard for her to say as well especially since she's not been in the public eye for so long I think it really reignited my love for well, not reignited but it really reminded me of like why I love fashion and models in that world it really took me back to being younger and really delving into that time and talking to my mum about it and looking through old Vogue's and old magazines and things like that.
0: It feels very different to now because they're kind of exposed to very pretty people every single day and we see so many influences.
1: Yeah, and I think they were the first, well in the show they kind of talk about how they were the first ones to really take control of their career. When
0: Christy said, you know, when we got big
1: enough I could choose who I wanted to work with. I could choose to work with the designers that I had the relationships with rather than just doing things because she had to for the money. They had their personalities and especially with Cindy because she did House of Style, which on MTV, which really did bring her personality into everything. They weren't just hangers, which I think then happened in the 2000s with the influx of the Eastern European models and the Russian models who I've never heard any speak. I've never seen real interviews with them or anything like that I think it was such a shift
0: they were all over my tumblr I remember being like 14 and constantly reblogging photos of Sasha Luss yes oh my the god platinum yeah. blonde very Amazing. chiseled look
1: so who were your favorite models
0: the first one that comes to mind whenever anyone talks about models is Adut Akesh we love a little bit of Aussie pride yeah 100%. where we can get it and also I draw Aboa. I I love her she's beautiful
1: and her voice too I'm like thank you thank you for sounding like that
0: who are you obsessed with?
1: I have so many I just feel like all I used to do when I was younger was a read Grazia and cut pictures out of models and their clothes. But also no, I would go on um like Vogue runway and I would just screenshot my old iPod touch, which is like irretrievably broken. Now I reckon more than half of what was on there is just runway photos, but I was obsessed with Natasha Polly who had these like amazing cheekbones. I remember one year she walked for Lanvin and she had this amazing kind of Bun on her head and her cheekbones were just insane.
0: I loved her. I recognize her name from my tumblr You definitely know
1: her face. I loved Cara Delavine when she first came on the scene because I have really big eyebrows and I hadn't seen anyone with such big eyebrows before. And I loved her. Carly Closs, when she was in her original runway era, was amazing. She was like so beautiful and she had an amazing walk. I always remember someone called it like the Panther. She had this amazing
0: walk. I, cause she's just got very long limbs, hey. She's so long, yeah. She's kind of textbook model. She's got the height, she's got the thinness. Yeah, and
1: the bone structure.
0: And just a beautiful face to boot.
1: Insane. So I loved her. I loved Freya. I don't really know how to say her name. Freya Bayer Eriksson. She's Danish. And I used to take photos of her to the hairdresser. Edie Campbell, Agnes Dean, Adwoa, Winnie Harlow, Jordan Dunn, Abilie Kershaw. I was obsessed with this one model, Anna Never, who she did this one show for Chanel that I remember so clearly and I took that photo to get my head on as well.
0: Going back to the supermodels mm. and going back to the series they touched a little bit on Naomi. Naomi Campbell. <gasps> yes of course. Obviously she was maligned for decades for being outspoken and some controversies were warranted and that she was physically violent. Oh yeah, she threw a phone at her. Not lawful. Assistant, yes. But she faced inequality in ways that the other girls didn't, obviously because she's a black woman. Yeah, huge amount of racism, huge. And also because she was an advocate for herself, they kind of expected her to just go with whatever they wanted. Because like in the series, like Edward Enifle says,
1: you know, this was at a time when they'd have one black girl in every show per season like one black girl season black girls only wear you know um bright bright colors we only you have black girls on the runway in summer and it's like well she changed that for so many people she did and so many of the names that we just mentioned it would be so different for them had Naomi not blazed that trail
0: there is no good way to segue this because I'm I want to Critique her. Do it. This is also an important conversation. Critique away. I
1: love to bring celebrities down.
0: In the past week or so, Naomi Campbell has released a collection with Pretty Little Thing and I'm confused. Pretty Little Thing is part of Boohoo Group, which I'd say is the definition of fast fashion. They're like the worst of the worst. They have multiple brands under their umbrella. Pretty Little Thing being one of them where they upload hundreds of products a day. Like Their sole motive is to get people consuming and buying items of clothing for pennies literally so grim I read that like some of their tops retail for
1: like a pound 50 which is like what three bucks here
0: exactly and the only way you can sell clothing for that amount of money is via exploitation I mean the worst the worst the worst and pretty little thing has a terrible reputation and especially in like well-intentioned fashion circles and it's Interesting to me that Naomi has gone with them while other celebrities well below her caliber are working with perhaps more reputable brands or those kind of more untouchable designer houses. And I just don't understand why she's gone with Pretty Little Thing, which is trash. It's such a pivot.
1: It's very interesting that Naomi's chosen to do this and follow in the footsteps of people like Courtney Kardashian and other people who you're kind of like, not that it makes more sense for like Courtney or whatever to do that, but you'd think that Naomi would have more foresight and thought yeah. particularly
0: in the fashion world to do that. Exactly. And she has received a bit of backlash and she said in an interview with W Magazine, the backlash is race-related and she said that Caucasian models are praised for the same actions. Obviously, the Supermodel series made it very clear that race has definitely, absolutely, unequivocally impacted Naomi's life and career. Oh, absolutely. But I, I don't know if she can use it as a shield at the exact same time that she's wielding the sword because fast fashion disproportionately disadvantages women of colour who make up 80% of the textile and garment industry across the world and Pretty Little Thing, their items are designed to be worn once and never again thrown out, sent to landfill where they will not break down because they're petrochemicals, it's polyester, they're not designing things to last. And the people who are hand-making these clothes are earning as little as 29 pence per hour. Oh god. I
1: just also like when she says like Caucasian women have been praised, I'm like I don't think anyone's being praised for
0: aligning themselves. No. With because the Pretty Little Thing and fast fashion. Kourtney Kardashian was appointed as sustainability advisor or whatever for Boohoo.
1: And then Maisie Williams was the sustainability person for H&M and she got totally slammed.
0: Yeah they got rinsed for it because everyone's just wondering why you would align yourself with something that we know is bad now. We know that H&M and Boohoo aren't doing good things and they are kind of the cultural drivers of this idea that fashion is disposable and we can just consume to our heart's content which is never the only reason that the fashion industry today what it looks like today with so many different retailers and fast fashion outlets the only reason it's profitable is because women of color are underpaid yeah overworked and poorly treated globally like it's not and it's not even just a global south issue because there was an investigation into pretty little things factory in Leicester, which is only a couple hours drive from Manchester, which is where their head office is located. So it's happening literally at their back door. And at the end of the day, Naomi Campbell probably doesn't wear a pretty little thing. No, of course she bloody doesn't. No, it's just money.
1: It's money. It's, it's money. money.
0: She's taking the check and we're the fools. <laughs>
1: like it's, it's not about quality. It's not about she wears it. It's about money. And that's it's left such a
0: bad taste in my mouth. Yeah. You can't kind of use race as your defense against you as a single person when you're disadvantaging millions of other women of color in the same swift action like that just doesn't make sense to me but
1: still an amazing career
0: amazing career (laughs) that's the tea. (laughs) but anyway we need to be because we've been talking for Ever a while,
1: some really really exciting news for everyone in Hollywood. The writers' strike might be potentially over. The Writers Guild of America have emailed strike captains saying that they've reached a tentative agreement with the alliance of motion picture and television producers, essentially the studios. This could spell the end. It's really, really exciting.
0: So This is super new as well. It's literally just happened.
1: It's literally just happened. So I saw it on Evan Ross Katz's Instagram, which is where I get most of my news. Naturally. So I'll read a little snippet from the statement that was sent to all of the union members. We can say with great pride that this deal is exceptional, with meaningful gains and protections for writers in every sector of the membership. What remains now is for our staff to make sure everything we've agreed to is codified in final contract language. And although we are eager to share the details of what has been achieved with you, we cannot do that until the last I is dotted. So this is really, really huge. But they also say, to be clear, no one is to return to work until specifically authorised by the Guild. We are still on strike until then. But as of today, we are suspending WGA picketing. The actors are still on the picket lines. So they've said, okay.
0: instead, if you are able, we encourage you to join the SAG after our picket lines this week. That result, like the wording of that sounds positive. I kind of expect it. Cynically, that they would be saying, Look, we actually had to give up a lot of our requests. Like, we negotiated as hard as we could, but if we're ever going to return to work, we have to bend to the whims of corporate Hollywood.
1: I just don't think after 146 days that they would bend anymore. They're like, No. And I think they've been talking a lot about AI, and that's sort of, I think, a big part of this negotiation is like meaningful language around ai and making sure that there is protection
0: which i think is fair because it has to the negotiations and contracts now have to last a couple of years and with ai changing at the pace that it is you kind of need those contracts to be suitably vague, but also very precise. Yeah. Absolutely. So as to protect the writers. There's
1: so much to protect. There's so many different avenues and angles and aspects and situations where yeah. writers do need that. Because it's just there's so much so many different things can happen. So exactly. you need to make sure that everything is protected. It's just so exciting. It's like unions win. Yes. Unions we, win, babe. We love
0: unions. We love unions. On this pod.
1: But so that's huge. That's just a bit of news yeah, that's a just of, come through.
0: Bit of breaking news. Thank you for that. While we're talking about actors, I need to talk about Chris Evans because if there's one thing about me, it's that I love celebrity profiles because I don't know, I think they're strange. They're so hard to write. And often you have to kind of read into them to actually glean anything about the subject.
1: Oh, absolutely. They make statements that aren't really statements.
0: They, yeah. And they also feel like a little bit like fiction. Like It's like a short story. I'm reading about someone who lives a life so different to anything that I can imagine and realizing that they are just people. And Chris Evans is no exception. He really is just some guy.
1: He gives me like like young Matt Damon, young Ben Affleck, like at the Oscars winning. Like they're just two guys from Boston. They're here with their moms. They love everyone back in Boston. Thanks to everyone who helped us make the movie. That's what Chris Evans kind of gives me. He's got that same kind of earnest boyish attitude even though he's like 41.
0: In my head he was pretty macho. He's known for Captain America but to me he's like that frat boy. He's like Harvard hottie in The Nanny Diaries, and he's the exact same character in... Have you ever seen... What's Your Number? I have With not LF seen...
1: Fires. I have not.
0: It's the same. Is concept. he the same guy? Okay, Same guy. Must same guy in Fantastic Four and Scott Pilgrim.
1: This article in GQ is very interesting.
0: The entire piece which... It's called Chris Evans is having second thoughts. So that's what piqued my intrigue. I was like, oh, what's Chris Evans having thoughts about? But he's basically just spiraling. Like he talks about how he doesn't really click with fame as an idea. And most of the article, he's just talking about how much he hates what he does But he he, hates being
1: profiled. He's like, I hate this. Yeah. I'm like,
0: dude. He kind of seems self aware about it. Hold on. I'm going to get up a couple of quotes.
1: I also love that you were like, yeah, the headline really piqued my interest. And I'm like, I saw a picture of him wearing like a mesh vest. And I was like, that's piqued my interest.
0: The photos were fun. To me, when I was reading it at first, I was like, is he trying to prove that he's just like, he's not like other actors?
1: Yeah. He's trying to be a pick me actor.
0: Yeah. He's not like other girls, but I need to read a few quotes to get the full picture across. So at one point he says. When I don't pay any attention to myself at all and just, you know, question why black holes exist, that brings into perspective a macro understanding of the fact that I'm even here is a miracle. It's like shooting a bullet with another bullet. And then later he says, the fact that trees are green blows my mind. I was about to say, can you please bring up the trees quote? I can't even unpack that. Like, I I, I don't know what to say. Also,
1: who uses the word macro if you're not like doing society and culture in the HSC? I'm sorry.
0: Chris Evans thinks about these things in a really big way. I mean, We wouldn't understand. I just rolled my eyes. You can't models. hear that through the
1: microphone but I just rolled my eyes
0: but he actually registers his dog quite a bit I mean I have he tried to shorten dog. these quotes because they are, they're just funny so he's talking about the dog and he says what he's not thinking about is yesterday what he's not worried about is tomorrow he's actively engaging in the moment in this really really clean way and this all feels a little basic but he's a little teacher isn't he wow he says of the dog he's famous and he'll never know he can't it's like an impenetrable character trait He can't be corrupted. I'm obsessed with that. I know. I kind of love it. Like, I honestly gained nothing from the piece, but I didn't lose anything
1: either. It was very, like, Jeremy Strong of him.
0: It was. And the writer kind of acknowledges it and makes fun of him at the same time. Like, he asks the question and then follows it up with another quote where he says, Evan's answer to this, I'd say, is not particularly clear, except in the sense that it's authentic to him. Digressive, confessional, allergic to definition in one way or another. Oh, my God i'm obsessed
1: i did think that it was very interesting like when we were talking about how he plays the kind of same guy like the harvard hottie or whatever and then he says i think if anything playing captain america was slightly against type for him in real life so he was kind of like that prattish jock boy in real life and then playing someone who's like honest kind and Tour, I guess is basically what Captain America is. I thought that was a very interesting, I wouldn't say insight, because it kind of says something, but it doesn't really say anything. But I was like intrigued that he acknowledged that. And he also talked about Alba, his now wife, as well, yeah, which I she, thought was for like one sentence.
0: Yeah, she's cute though.
1: She is cute. I mean, it kind of made me sad that my fantasy of Chris Evans and Scarlett Johansson getting together won't happen. Because in my mind, I'm like, they're married.
0: <laughs> Sorry, I found two more quotes. And no, please, I please go for it. I can't shorten these. In my opinion, that's what makes humans, you know? We're sentient beings. We're born into suffering, but we get the opportunity to shed that skin. The reason my dog fits, it's because he doesn't know about fitting. That's the dividing quality. The lion, the bird, the cloud, the waterfall. (laughs) The reason these things all work in harmony is because none of them are aware of needing to work. It's our self-awareness that separates us, but also what causes our suffering. We think it's what elevates us. I'd say that's what actually makes us inferior.
1: Is he having a mental breakdown? (laughs) Is he he literally having a nervy B
0: in the middle of a GQ article? The man woke up and said, okay, Socrates today. The entire piece finishes with the quote, can you simultaneously exist in a body that is aware of itself without the shackles that come with that ego and slowly (laughs) recognize that and put that part of your self-awareness down to just try and be the dog sitting in the field looking at the tree. (laughs) Basically, he conveyed nothing. The oh, sorry. i sorry shouldn't
1: laugh he's probably just having a real moment <laughs> I reckon he's reading it now being like what the fuck was I saying I actually think it's so special <laughs> like it's I so nice I
0: think he's he just loves his dog yeah which we knew I don't actually think he's trying to position himself as holier than thou or anything no I think he's just like a harmless soft
1: boy. I think he just finds it difficult doing interviews and he just starts talking and then it's like, but it's also like if one of us had to do an interview, we'd probably say a bunch of dumb, like spout a bunch of dumb crap. Oh,
0: totally. And then it'd be put on on the internet. Yeah. And, and if he's... someone laughed at me like this, I'd probably cry. Oh
1: yeah. But I don't think he'd be talking about My dog doesn't know anything. He's incorruptible. I mean, if you did and I was your publicist, I'd be like, shut up. This
0: is actually a profile of Chris Evans' dog.
1: GQ articles are known for being a bit chaotic, though. I mean, this is a bit of a rip, but like Army Hammer's GQ article. Yeah. When he was drunk the whole time and then he talked about being really into BDSM and then all the other stuff came out and it's like okay it's just, they're known for being a bit chaotic I think but
0: yeah and the writers are kind of known for being a bit deprecating like oh 100% they're trying to make it a bit funny and poke fun at what they're
1: doing but very interesting though because there's another GQ article that Chris Evans did in 2011 which is like quite infamous I didn't know about it until earlier this year I hate myself for not knowing about it terrible me but this article by Edith Zimmerman where she kind of she goes out on the town with Chris Evans and has this huge night with him, and it was very kind of rom-com esque. The writer going along with the actor, and then this book came out early this year called "Funny You Should Ask" by Elisa Sussman, and it's about this writer who writes a profile of a famous actor, and they kind of have this sort of a spark, a frisson, as you would say. And I didn't. I read the book, and I was like, "This is cool." And then my friend Holly at work was like, "Oh, you know that? That's like kind of based on the Chris Evans article." And I was like, "Say what? Like, what Chris Evans article?" and it's that's sort of what happened there was like chemistry or whatever between the two of them in the article at least it came across and it was right before he was captain america so it was the article
0: that was
1: he was he was it was calling him the american marvel oh
0: my god and it was
1: like just before it had come out or just after it was like he was right at the start of his marvel fame
0: that's so funny because in the book isn't the character like about to be james bond or something yeah
1: he's about to be like a super spy so the book is basically
0: i read it it was i felt like you read it right yeah, I felt like it was kind of one of those ones where it's like you could have wrapped it up in 20 pages. But does Chris Evans know that he's had a book written about him? I don't know. I was
1: so mad at myself for not knowing this.
0: Yeah, I actually didn't know. that. I It kind of had the vibe of being based on something real, but I didn't know it was Chris Evans. And yeah. now reading this ode to his dog makes me realize that he's kind of the perfect profile target like, yeah, he, he's got that macho on the outside, soft on the inside.
1: He's so earnest, but I feel like for, for a lot of celebrities, when they try and be honest it doesn't really end yeah. well, which I think is kind of sad because I'm like, they do have thoughts and feelings and emotions, yeah. but then they I'm- just express them in such a weird ass way, which is obviously fair because, like, they're getting quoted, a lot
0: of things get taken out of context. I feel like not just in celebrities, but we like look down on being earnest as a bad thing. And I'm sick of pretending that it's a negative thing. Like sometimes it's nice. Sometimes it's funny.
1: Like there's this Instagram. This is a bit off piste, but whatever. There's this Instagram page that I follow called Tony P in DC, which is this guy who lives in Washington, DC, who's like, I'm a 25 year old consultant from DC. And this is what I do on my weekend. And he's just this sweet guy who posts videos of him cooking miso salmon and his outfits and going to the football and whatever. And he's really earnest. And at first I thought it was a joke. Like I thought it was a parody account. Now I'm like, no, it's just him doing his thing every week. And now I watch it all the time. And I send it to my flatmate and my other friends. And we're all (laughs) like, we love Tony P. And he's like this earnest guy on the internet. It's
0: kind of nice. He's just
1: doing his thing. Everyone just thinks it's a joke at first. And then you're like, no, it's actually sweet. And for those who want, I will link Tony P.
0: Yes, please. You know, he's
1: really, really sweet. He's got like this fan club called the P-Hive. Oh my God, Of which I am
0: definitely a part of. That's adorable. He's really sweet, yeah. He needs to get better fitting shirts, but he's really sweet. (laughs) On the topic, there's a piece in British Vogue from only a couple of months ago, I think, by Yomi Adagoki called The Importance of Being Earnest in a Cynical Age. Important. Also, great
1: play by Oscar Wilde.
0: Wonderful. But she makes the point that we've kind of been conditioned to believe that showing enthusiasm and like taking yourself seriously... And looking at the world through like big wide eyes is the antithesis of cool. And we instead have to be nonchalant and like keep our passion to a minimum. Oh, absolutely.
1: I think everyone should be enthusiastic. I think it's really hard to be enthusiastic. And I think it is. And I think the default is to want to be cool and very, I was like that a lot. But now I'm just like, whatever, I love stuff. Exactly. I'm passionate.
0: I feel like it's like a rite of passage as a teen, you have to not care about things or kind of feign that you don't care about things and yeah. it's also a super pervasive attitude in fashion like you have to brush everything off and oh yeah stay cool about your achievements and not be too bright-eyed and bushy-tailed but I think mm. it's more fun
1: to just own it and I also think when you don't talk about it and you internalize everything it be- makes you become so much more intense yeah you like love things secretly but you can never tell anyone or you can you know it has to become this like internalized thing
0: yeah and at the same time I feel like when I do that like I convince myself that it's not that big a deal yeah Because I'm just trying to seem like cool, calm cucumber on the outside. But it's exhausting to kind of be detached from something that you really care about. Like like you said, like being excited and enthusiastic is fun. And I think as well, like
1: it's such a a thing for girls and women. Anything that girls and women are super passionate about is immediately, not immediately, but a lot of the time demeaned. And thought of to be not super serious. Like case in point, any boy band ever. When One Direction came out, I really didn't like them at first. But then of course, when I actually sat down and was like, These are five cool, cute boys singing songs. I was like, of course, I love them. What am I doing? But then I wouldn't tell anyone about it. I was like, I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to listen to them like on my iPod touch when there's no history. And then I'm going to delete the history that doesn't even exist because no one can know that I love them. And of course, now what, like over 10 years later, I'm such a huge fan and everyone knows and everyone you could live on the moon and know that I was a huge fan.
0: What's the point? It's so much more fun to just kind of lean into it. It's
1: just fun being a fan of things. It is. It's just fun being passionate and like loving things. I'm sorry, we wouldn't be sitting around a table once a week to talk about the world if we didn't love all of this stuff.
0: It's kind of a top down thing where we see celebrities do it. Like Anne Hathaway and like you said before, like Jeremy Strong, they have had their earnestness held against them. So we see that and we go, Well, we can't do that. Oh my God, poor Anne Hathaway.
1: Yeah, when she's when she went to Oscar and she's like, Isn't it isn't this a dream or something? Or like when Sally Field won and she was like, You really like me and everyone's like, Shut up, Sally.
0: Exactly. Their zealousness was their downfall because it's cringe and I hate that. Enthusiasm is not cringe. You heard it here first. Yeah. We're both I mean, very enthusiastic. We laugh at Chris Evans because it reminds me of those TikToks where women are like, when a man builds a platform of thoughts that I've been having since I was 12. It's a bit like that where you suddenly get like a preachy guy come out of the woodworks and they say something and it resonates with men who have never thought that before.
1: Sometimes you just need Chris Evans to voice your thoughts for you to really yeah. hear them for the first time.
0: Sometimes I want to hear about his dog and a waterfall. I mean, I
1: feel like the trees and stuff. I'm like, okay, calm Um, down. But I think if he's having these thoughts, good on him. He's allowed. He's allowed to just because he's famous. Yeah. Do you know why black holes exist? Probably not. No, but I mean, I feel like if anyone can find out, it's probably him. Yeah. You know, like...
0: (laughs) I just want to give him a little pat on the
1: back. I do. I do really like him. And I love that he went out with Jenny Slate, one of my favorite comedians, after they starred in this really cute movie together called Gifted. And...
0: That wasn't that long ago, was it? That was
1: like 2018, 2017. Because mm. I haven't seen the movie, but that's the one with the little kid. They yeah, the little like, girl, the genius, the little girl. girl. Yeah, it's if you haven't seen it, super cute. But they they went out and Jenny Slate is like this like unhinged, hilarious comedian. She plays Mona Lisa in um, Parks and Rec. If you don't know her, and other many other great things. But you'd know her face. You from. definitely know her face. I also post memes of her all the time. We'll probably include a meme of her, in our instagram
0: yeah follow us on socials anyway so that's our petition to make earnestness cool again yeah
1: the importance of being earnest it was said over a century ago think about it now thank you so much for joining us this week remember to rate review and subscribe and see you guys next week that's all bye